Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Welcome to this edition of Equipped to Be. I'm your host, Connie Albers. Today, we're going to talk about grief and grieving and how do you help someone or how do you actually walk through when you've lost someone you loved. I've got a special guest on the program today. Danita Janae is a young mom and she is a recent military widow learning to carry both joy and sorrow in the same breath. And let me tell you, that is a hard thing to do. As an author, a speaker, a poet, an artist, she walks alongside the brokenhearted, offering practical and creative ways to lead a spirit-filled life. You will absolutely look forward to our conversation today as we just talk about grief and the grieving process and grief brain and how you put one foot in front of the other. So stick around. I know you're going to enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Well, friends, we have an amazing guest on the program, Danita Janae. I'm looking forward to this. Y'all know, you know, I don't say y'all very often, but I'm about to have a great conversation about grief and its journey and the process And, you know, what better way than to have somebody who has written a book about the grieving process? Most of you know, I have been riddled, I guess is the best way to say it, in a season of grief and loss. And I know many of you have too. It may not be a person, maybe it is a a financial situation, a loss of a job, or you've got a broken relationship and there's this loss. And it's grieving. And I have invited Danita onto the program to talk about some of the processes uh, that she has gone through. And as I said in her bio and her book, building your life after losing someone you love. And Danita and I were talking before we came on air. And we were talking about, do we want to talk about prayer and how God gets you through? Or what do you do when you've got kids? It's like all encompassing. But I want you to grab a notepad or grab your phone, put on your notes on your phone, but whether you're cooking dinner or you're just having your quiet time, I really think you're going to pull some rich nuggets out of our conversation today because I'm going to talk to her a little bit and maybe even share a little bit more with you about what my process has been like and, and get her comments on that. So if you're ready... Let's go. Danita, thank you so much for coming on the Equipped to Be program today. I'm honored that you were able to fit us in your schedule. Thank you, Ms. Connie. Yeah, I'm excited to join you today. You know, it's remarkable what we're seeing. There's so many anxiety books, there's depression books, there's helping your kids navigate suicide and loss and grief, and you kind of had it all. You you lost your husband. I would love for our listeners to be introduced by you to them. Would you do that? Tell us a little bit more on a personal level about yourself. Sure. Um, We're a military family. We have been through quite a few trials. Every time we moved as a military family, I had a nine-month-old and (laughs) 
a postpartum depression both times. Oh no. <laughs> um, yes. And it was really the first time, about. which made it a lot harder. Yeah. No, <laughs> laughing is a great coping, <laughs> coping mechanism. So I'm totally great with laughter. <laughs> So we've, I've personally faced a lot of mental health crises, chronic failing health issues right before we moved to Colorado, which was to be our final military move. My husband had one year left to retire. And just years before that, we were battling for my own life. We learned to fast and pray and weep before God, just begging for me to make it. And then God did, he moved and did a miracle and um, restored my health. And then it was just a few months later that after we arrived in Colorado, we went on a, a little family hike. We were like in awe that before I could not lift a laundry basket. So we were totally in awe that I could do something like hike with our family and the desert was blooming and I've never seen the cactus blossom like that. I mean, it was an amazing little hike. And the whole time I was like, honey, I'm alive and I'm hiking with you. Like, I can't believe it. (laughs) I was dragging way behind because I kept taking all these pictures. I mean, it was just such a beautiful moment of healing and restoration. And then that was probably maybe two or three weeks after we got to town. And then six weeks after we got to town, my husband went on a hike of his own. He's a huge adventure and he had hiked over 30 of the there's 50 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado we call them 14ers here and so he had done a lot of them and his goal was to hit them all but on that day he went hiking and had an incident we still have a lot of questions and don't really know what happened and that was our last farewell to my husband was sending him off to go on that hike so that was the day that I would say my Mountains crumbled. And for us, it was definitely a literal story. But for so many people, that's exactly how it feels is when we lose someone we love, especially when they're a cornerstone in our lives. It just feels like everything we knew to be stable just kind of falls apart. We don't think about mountains crumbling, do we? Mm-hmm. They're so strong. And, right. and we think that, you know, short of a a volcanic eruption. And the mountain's just going to stay there. There may be a few pieces that break off here and there, but just to hear you even say, you know, your mountain crumbled. I just had like a chill. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine that moment. I can't imagine that moment with your children. And how old were your children? Now your husband, his name was Dan, right? Yes. Okay. So how old were your children when Dan passed away? They were four and nine. Mm. Little baby. So I don't want to go in the direction of what was it like? You know, did you get a knock on the door? I know you tell a lot of the story in your book. And I love your book, When Mountains Crumble, (laughs) Rebuilding Your Life After Losing Someone You Love. Well, as a military family, I just, I want to say thank you for your service because it's not just the active service person, man or woman, that has a sacrifice. It's the whole family, and that extends to you and your family as well. But as I'm thinking about equipped to be and how God has equipped us for the calling, and this was clearly your calling because you know Dan was experienced. It's something he did frequently, completely unexpected. Let me first share with you. And with my listeners, I told Danita, as we're getting ready to record, I have been going through 
a lot of loss. All of you know, because I shared it with you publicly that I recently lost my stepdad and you know, of course there was my grandfather. It was just a season of immense loss. And it was just today, I just made the decision to sell the house that my mother and Dan had lived with. And when I saw that your husband's name was Dan, I'm like, oh, I love that name. And I made that decision and it was a bittersweet moment as I've been contemplating like the next steps. One of the things that we were going to talk about is your life stops but keeps going forward. It's the most difficult thing to explain. And so I had to sit there and say, nothing's going to change. It's never going to be easy, but it's time to take that next step. It's time to close this chapter. It's time, whatever words people use. So you had to face that. These little children, these sweet little kids, they want dinner, three meals a day. And they don't understand. They're not capable at those tender ages of fully grasping the loss. They will as they get older and then they think back. But you have your own set of deep loss and confusion and not knowing what to do. And at the same time, you have to pull it together, in my opinion. You have to pull it together and keep acting like life is somewhat normal. Would you agree? I totally agree with life stops and keeps going forward. I mean, that's such a great way of saying that. I think that's part of the grace of of the shock. I always use the word shock in <laughs> conjunction with grace um, because it's such a kindness that we don't feel it all at once and that we don't feel the grief and the loss all at once. You know, even for children, but also for a spouse, for anyone, it comes in so many layers and over time that we start to realize more and more of what has really just happened. And I do believe that that's such a grace over our hearts that God gives us these things like denial and shock, and especially in the beginning, because I think somehow that's the only reason that we do keep taking a step forward. Like, how do you show up at school after that? How do you show up at work after that? And it's just shock. (laughs) There's no other... There's no other explanation than God's just given an amazing amount of grace to be able to, you know, just get to the grocery store. Right. Like, yeah, that's the whole, mom, I'm hungry. And you're like, I don't really care to eat right now. But they somehow still want to eat or they still have their same idiosyncrasy. So you'd only been in your community for six weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah. So that's not even enough time to forge deep lasting friendships of people that are going to come alongside you. I love how you write and how you describe that you didn't have this length of friendships and surrounded by all this community, but you were surrounded by the Lord. And he lifted you and carried you and supplied what you need. And not to say that he didn't use people, but Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that process. For you as a mom, you're rejoicing. You saw the cactus fire. You were (laughs) seeing all this. You were just coming back. And tell us, you know, tell us, tell me, I want to know, how did you do it? How did you step forward? Were there any verses? Was there something poignant that the Lord said that just 
kind of gave you the strength to drop kids off at school or show up and buy groceries and even know that where the grocery store was? Yeah, um, it was quite a lot to navigate. We had to, we had to truly rebuild from the ground up in every way um, when we had just been knocked on our feet. So we were trying to find a new church, trying to find um, a house still. We were still in temporary housing and an apartment and house hunting. Um, we were still trying to, you know, just make new friends. We hadn't even had a first day of school yet. So mm. it was definitely extremely trying. Mm-hmm. And then it was a few months later that the pandemic hit. <laughs> oh my word. So isolation was a huge part of my story. And I don't know, there's something about that at some point, you know, you just have to surrender to the isolation and call it solitude because otherwise you're going to go mad. And I did go mad for quite mm-hmm. a while. <laughs> but I think at some point there was this extreme dependency on the Lord because my parents were amazing and they came out and stayed with us for a little while. And then they had to go, um, help with another family crisis. And, um, that was shortly before the pandemic. So it was just this whole crazy season over and over. Of it wasn't stopping. It no, wasn't, it was like, well, no. it was like a tsunami that never, it, it just, never okay, you stopped. thought you survived this one and here comes another one. Yeah. It, greater it magnitude. Never, never stopped. And so it definitely kept us in a place of continually just, you know, Jesus, sometimes I was the only prayer I could pray. And, Mm. um, just, the, I think that season of being really sick and fighting for my own health, that taught me to come before God when things weren't pretty. And when I wasn't pretty and just that ugly lament and crying out, like, I don't understand why, you know, just the ability to ask God those things probably is what saved me because I don't know you asked what was the one thing you kind of went back to and for me it feels like it's always I think of Jesus on the cross right like Jesus God himself said why have you forsaken me my God my God why and essentially he's saying God I feel like you ditched me you abandoned me and for me to be able to see Jesus do that let me be able to do that myself and that just kept the communication lines between me and God open and honest. And while he didn't say a lot <laughs> and he didn't give me a lot of answers, if any, he did give me himself and his presence in. That's honestly, that's it. Like that's all I had to hang on to. And it was enough. Surprisingly. <laughs> just as you said that, we said surprisingly it was. But yet at the same time, it shouldn't be surprising to us that it is enough. We're looking for more. And I love how you said in the book, because I was skimming through the book and I, I just noticed in some ways you gave people permission to say, why God? That it's okay to ask why, you know, maybe there is a lesson. Maybe there isn't a lesson other than this is the trial God is allowing to happen in your life and you won't know for years, if ever, the real why. But you said, and I love this. I'm going to read it. You wrote, quote, sorrow has to run its course through us. I love that. It has to run its course through us. In loss, we can't be fixed, rescued, or saved, nor do we want to be. Sometimes we just need someone 
to sit with us in silence. And I have to say that resonated with me because people, they want to help fix, they want to make things better, they want to be cheery, they want to, you know, oh, God's got this, it's all going to be okay. We know in our mind, God does have it. He has us. It's all going to be okay. God is working it out for His good pleasure, for His glory. He is making us someone different or new and definitely more like Him. But I love this phrase. It's just sometimes, and for all you listeners, when you have a friend that has experienced enormous loss, It's okay to just straight up say, I don't know what to say, but I can sit with you. Did you ever have that happen? I did. And um, those were some of the most healing moments for me was just somebody letting me know I wasn't alone, especially because isolation was such a humongous part of our story. So those moments really were treasures for me. And I also really appreciated when someone had a thoughtful question for me. What is a thoughtful question? Could you can you think of anything off the top of your head? Just kind of something besides like, you know, how are you doing? Which that's a valid question and that's a great question to ask, but people are even afraid of asking that. So, for example, just kind of a silly one, but for me it was thoughtful like what are some foods that when you see them either you want them because they make you think of your loved one or you don't want them because Do you know what I mean? Like, just like help me think through my basic everyday life, which is questions. (laughs) Questions are so central for my story. Like, why did this happen? But also just help me think it through since I was so alone. And that's why that's why every single devotional is packed with there's questions at the end of every single one, because it's so central to kind of processing your own story. And beyond your book, you actually have a resource packet for anyone that's going through this process, right? What is that? What is that entitled? So there's a free grief guide. I need a better title. You can help me think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) listeners, if you have a great title, just send it over and we'll pass it along. (laughs) That would be fantastic. Um, but it's just kind of a way of helping you find your footing in grief in a visual way, because I, I realized that reading was super hard. And so it's kind of a quick start illustrated guide, basically, of grief. And that was just a quick kind of find your footing type of, of resource that's been helpful. Oh, I like that. And that's over at your website, which by the way, if y'all want that, I will have that in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't get to write it down. That's okay. I have to say, I have not lost a spouse, but I've lost, you know, a lot of family members and more specifically my, my mom. We knew my mother was not doing well, but it still was unexpected, the timing of it. And my stepdad was an utter shock that brought enormous trauma and grief and sadness. And, you know, I'm still working through that. And I think maybe that's why your your quote resonated with me because no one can understand unless you've gone through something similar and you somewhat know what to say or what not to say. But I believe it really has to do with knowing that person. Like For you, COVID had hit you'd lost your husband, you're in a strain. It's like all the things they say, you know, you didn't have your community, you had your family, but then you still had other things going on. But 
there are some questions we can ask. And I actually love that you said when somebody says, what was Dan's favorite fruit? Or what did he love to eat? Or where was your favorite place to eat? Or what did he do that made you laugh? Or what did he do that made you angry? That it's okay to ask those questions because so often, and and correct me if your experience has been different, it's kind of letting them keep living. I noticed when I asked you to talk about it, I heard you say, and I even wrote this down, (laughs) he is a huge hiking. You said he is. You didn't say he was. Later you said he was, but you said he is because he is still that person. He still lives in your heart and in your heart of your children. And I think, I think that's important that we don't get stuck, but that person still is exactly who they were. They didn't change. They just, the location changed. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I imagine he's still hiking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the views are much better. I mean, Colorado is pretty good, but you know. All right. So let me ask you a question. You suddenly became a widow. Mm -hmm. sometimes as a mom, as a wife, our identity gets kind of wrapped up into our family. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Our identity is first found in Christ and then in others. And when you have a family, that's normal. But now all of a sudden that was changed. How did you deal with that? How did you, we talked a little bit and maybe we've talked enough about that, but you've been struggling with some health crisis. You're also creative. Now I have a daughter who's a creative and creatives They feel deep. They feel deep. They experience life, all of life. You know, they don't just put things in categories and say, okay, now's the time to grieve. And now's the time to do this. It's like, no, it all bleeds (laughs) together. Are you like that too? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Art for me was a saving grace when I couldn't write a sentence. I was actually from the trauma, I was stuttering and I was writing my letters in reversal, kind of as if I was dyslexic type of thing. And so art actually was a grace for me and for my kids, because I think sometimes we we can't articulate any of these big things. And so just to be able to doodle, there's actually a few doodle prompts in the book for that reason, because I think sometimes we just so struggle with, how do I even right? Like where are even the words for this? English doesn't even have the vocabulary for this. And so drawing was um, was a pretty great outlet. I'm not a creative like that. My daughter has more creativeness in one fingernail than I have in my whole body. But I agree. I can't paint or draw or anything like that. Not well, certainly not worthy of showing anybody, but it is a healer, isn't it? Do you think it matters whether you're, quote, left brain, right brain, if you're creative or non? Do you feel that sometimes just the doodling is good therapy just for your brain, which is firing in a million different directions all at the same time? Do you feel like that could be something that regardless of whether you're creative or not could be really helpful? Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. Some of the things I've just recently been learning about, first of all, trauma and the brain, how trauma actually splits your left and your right brain, which explains grief brain all of a sudden. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But one of the ways to kind of lace your brain back together to work together is through things like doodling or, you know, horse riding or some of these alternative therapies that they're not talk therapies, but they're helping your brain reconnect. And so 
there are people drawing stick figures with some of these. Uh, most of them are stick figures with most of these prompts. And it's just amazing how not only being able to put your story into a picture and then the next step to be able to share it with someone else is so amazingly powerful for people. And it's bringing a lot of healing. I love that you brought up, there's a lot of research on that. What is grief brain? I always just thought it was like foggy thinking. I resonated with you when you said you can't read. I would try to read. <laughs> you know, I was trying to do this podcast shortly after my stepfather had passed. I recorded three different versions and none of them made sense. And I'm like, I can't make my brain make sense. So what, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's called grief brain. So talk to us about that. <laughs> Grief brain is a phrase that I learned from another widow of a hero, and she was explaining how <laughs> all the things, right? Like I've, I've personally brushed my teeth with my face lotion. I've used <laughs> my, you know, deodorant stick. I thought it was my face stick. Like I've done, I've done it all. And that happens with food and all kinds of, you know, you get on autopilot in the car and you just think, Actually, I don't know if that light I just drove through was red or green. I oh. actually don't know. And so... What's happening? <laughs> yeah. As so best as brain, you can describe besides yeah. the, your brain can't handle it all. But I mean, so what's what's happening? What have you learned that is actually happening in the brain when there is such a trauma and loss? So your brain is working so over time on trying to understand what just happened with the loss that... It, it's like we don't have anything left to even, you know, remember how to spell our own names. And so the cool thing uh, um, that that same friend told me was she was explaining, like, your your brain is working beautifully and perfectly. <laughs> it's just focusing on other things. And so that kind of gave me this relief of like, okay, like, maybe it will come back. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not crazy. Like this actually happens to a lot of people. And so just discussing that this happens is sometimes life changing for people because they're like, oh, it's normal. That's what's been going on. <laughs> yeah. On top of everything else. So you talk a lot about lowering expectations. What does that look like when you're lowering expectations with kids? Yeah, for us, it was like, hey, let's just try to make it to school. <laughs> so <laughs> that means um, if we were late, like, that's okay. We were late almost every day. And sometimes we made it on time. So miracles do still happen. <laughs> but the goal for my kids was not, um, you know, let's not be a scholarship winner this year. Let's just try to get our bodies in the school building and make it through the day. And sometimes, honestly, that was too much to ask. And we just needed a mental health base. But that was, yeah, lowering those expectations around the house. Like, <laughs> I don't remember how long, but we just kind of had to stop folding laundry. We had to switch to paper plates. We had to be um, a lot more gracious with each other and understand that everybody's everything just changed. All of our identities, personalities, uh, where we lived. I mean, everything just changed for all of us. And we were all handling grief differently. Some of us were, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hug. I don't want to touch. Um, and others were like, I need to talk about it and I need you to hug me. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had to really, you know, navigate that as graciously as we could and just kind of understand like, 
we're all in a different place and that's just where we're at. <laughs> you know, there's such wisdom in what you just said. You know, you have your external processors that they do. They have to say and think and I mean, they have to act out or act up sometimes. That's how they're processing it. But man, your internal thinkers, it's really hard sometimes to get what's going on in them so that you can come alongside them. Because sometimes, and maybe, I don't know if your kids did that or if some of the folks that you've shared with over the course of writing this book and even your own personal journey, sometimes the only way they can handle it, maybe it's grief brain, is they put up these walls and it's not pretending it didn't exist because it did exist and they know it exists and they know it happened and that pain is real. They just can't go there. What do you say to the parent or the spouse that maybe has a child or it's them, or it's them, they can't, they just, they can't. What advice do you have for them? Yeah. I mean, I think we're all trying to do our best. (laughs) So I think we're grieving ourselves and it's another loss to think of the loss of your child, like what your child has endured. That's another heartbreak, watching your kids' hearts break. And that's just something that There's no handbook (laughs) that I know of that really walks you through that. But I think it really comes down to you do your best. You give them the space they ask for and desperately pray. And sometimes those prayers, like I said before, are super simple, like help or Jesus or things like for my kids. They were so young. Something I worried about was that they would forget and He was such an amazing man. And so I've just asked God, okay, this is a concern of mine. Please seal their memories with some good memories that they will have. Same with any kind of worry or concern I have, I try to just switch it into a prayer right then. So she doesn't want to talk about it. And I'm worried that that's going to, you know, come out eventually and it's going to be hard. I just have to switch it into a prayer and say, God, you are her father. You promise that no weapon formed against her will prosper. You promise that you will be her teacher personally and that great will be her peace. And so I'm just going to hold you to your promises. And I need you to step in and be the father right now because I can't do it and I have no idea what to do. So it just becomes this constant desperate prayer that's all day long. But I don't know of any other way. <laughs> That's a powerful way. It's realizing sorrow runs its course um, through us. And there isn't a time that we say, okay, you know, they say, oh, the year of grief. Well, it might be longer than a year of grief. And, <laughs> yes. and depending on your relationship with that person, it might be shorter. But I love how you just kind of always bring it back. And you write about this in the book. And, and I have to give a plug for the book because it's, it's such a vulnerable piece of work that you have that God has allowed you to craft. And, you know, when mountains crumble, rebuilding your life after losing someone you love. God has allowed you to walk through this horrible, awful loss. And after already battling health crisis and postpartum and, and all of that. And you're just thinking, I'm finally coming up. I'm, I'm working my way out of the valley and I'm going up the mountain and then bam, I'm sliding back down here. I am in the valley again. But yeah. God has used that to help you. Like right now, all of my listeners, I know all of us are dealing with something and most people don't know what it is other people are dealing with. And you were faithful and obedient to pen sensitive topics and hard conversations and 
places that you were and be vulnerable. And so being vulnerable is a hard place to be. Sometimes it can be therapeutic. Sometimes it's not. It can be really painful. But yet you said, yes, Lord, I will, I will do that. And I know one of the important parts for you and, you know, about out of time, but you kept prayer your priority and that you kept trusting God's voice. And I heard you say this. And as you were talking about, you just have to keep surrendering. You have to keep surrendering and knowing that God is at work, whether you feel it or see it or not. And that's a beautiful, beautiful statement. So as kind of we wrap up, uh, listeners, I want you to go check out Danita Jane. I'll have it in the show notes, but go to DanitaJane.com. Go get her book. Where can your book be found? Wherever good books are sold. <laughs> Yay, that's a good answer. That's good. It's, it hasn't even been out very long, but I see it all over social media and where can people find you on social media and any resources that you have? Where would you like for our listener who maybe didn't catch this or they're not going to get to the show notes, but where can they find you? Yeah. If they go to whenmountainscrumble.com, I have a list of all the links where they can find the book. And then I also have, um, if they scroll down just a little bit, there I have all kinds of free resources that I just want to get into people's hands. Some of it's for if you're grieving yourself and some of it's for if you love somebody who's grieving and you just feel helpless to know how to help. And so I kind of have a whole guide of what to say, what not to say, and some practical ideas um, in that too. So whenmountainscrumble.com is the best way to find me. Okay. And you have the cutest website. So y'all should go check out her website. (laughs) It's absolutely adorable. It'll make you fall in love with her. Thank you for being on the show, Danita. Thank you for writing this book, for sharing what God has done in and through your life with your children at the cost of losing your best friend, the the love of your life. And thank you again, uh, just for the service of, of the sacrifice of having someone in the military and just being faithful and pressing on. And we absolutely at Equipped to Be are, are just thankful and grateful that someone is out there telling others about how to walk through the hard things of life. We are equipped to be. God said we are equipped to be a doer of his word. And that means running a race that can be very difficult at times. And so thank you for coming on the show. And friends, make sure you go to ConnieAubers.com. All the show notes will be listed. Thank you, Danita, for coming on the show. Thanks, Connie. Appreciate you so much. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.